Welcome to another episode of Tackless Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Chaye Sarah, the portion in which Avraham is, at first part of the portion, burying, eulogizing, crying over his wife Sarah. And then a good part of the portion, the, the brunt of the parsha, the process by which Avraham's servant Eliezer is traveling to secure a wife for Yitzchak, that wife who we soon discover will be Rivka, we meet members of her family as well, and a very, very lengthy description of both the process Eliezer uses, his interplay with Rivka, his description to Rivka's family as to the process and how he was sent by Avraham and how he found Rivka and how he determined that she's the one, and the negotiations with them, and of course, eventually they're sending Rivka along with him back to the land of Canaan to marry Yitzchak. We think of the heroes and heroines of the Torah and of these particular parshas, and certainly Avram and Sarah come to mind, and Yitzchak and Rivka, but we may not often put enough attention to Eliezer. The Talmud says about this very lengthy description of Eliezer's not only searching and finding, but recounting to the family how he was searching and finding, and the, the many, many verses that are given to describe this process are described by the phrase, Yafasi chasen shal avde avos, the beautiful, are the, the words, the talking, the schmoozing, so to speak, of the servants of our forebearers, and are given more textual um, room, space, more, more text than many, many of the mitzvahs. There are many mitzvahs of the Torah that are derived from simply a verse or even a phrase or sometimes even a hint within a phrase. Yet, when it comes to this description of Eliezer's, again, process and negotiations and recounting of the story, so much text is dedicated to this. The Vilnagon draws our attention to the fact that Eliezer wasn't simply a servant of the great Avraham, but he himself had risen to greatness, and in a sense has to be acknowledged as a hero. Because we have several hints to the fact that Eliezer had hoped that perhaps Avraham would consider Eliezer's own daughter as a match for Yitzchak. This is hinted to in maybe the clearest form that the sages point out when Eliezer is telling over to the family of Rivka about his dialogue with Avraham. Avraham had sent me to find a spouse, and I said to Avraham, maybe the girl won't come back with me. What should I do then? The word for the maybe, ulai, perhaps the girl won't come back, is written sans vav. There's no vav over there in ulai, and could be read aleph, lam, and yud as elai, to me. And Eliezer was hinting, maybe she won't come back, and to me. Maybe this, you should focus on me. Maybe the address for Yitzchak's destiny could be through me and my daughter. Of course, in telling this over to the family, he is letting them know how great a catch Yitzchak is, because I was even hoping perhaps she could come, he could come my way, be attached to my daughter. End of the day, of course, 
they do accept and have Rivka marry Yitzchak, and Eliezer's daughter is not in the picture. Our sages tell us that Avram had in fact told Eliezer that, unfortunately, no can do. Yitzchak has been deemed blessed. He is Baruch. Eliezer is from the family of Canaan that has been deemed cursed. Go back to the Parsha of Noach to uh, discover those verses as to why. And as such, this is not a good match. Blessing and and curse don't blend together well. Now, imagine, let's put ourselves into Eliezer's shoes. Eliezer apparently has a daughter that he believes is a reasonable match for Yitzchak. And in fact, good chance that her character and her personal state of being would have made sense. Avram didn't negate the girl because of any direct problem with her, but the overall conceptual issue, she's from a family that's cursed, in terms of the destiny of Israel, this is not an appropriate match. And for Eliezer to be thinking that this is a good match, he was a reasonable person, we have reason to expect he was a reasonably intelligent person, and probably he knew that his daughter could make sense for Yitzchak. But ultimately this was not meant to be. Okay, so his daughter is not going to marry Yitzchak. And now he's tasked with finding a different spouse for Yitzchak. We could imagine that this is going to at least interfere with the degree to which Eliezer can be fully dedicated to this mission. We can imagine that this could potentially put some hesitation, be cause for some pause. This could be something that is going to taint Eliezer's enthusiasm and his drive and his um, negotiation tactics with the family and his urging of this shidduch, of this match. But it doesn't. Eliezer runs, he runs to greet Rivka. And when the family try to stall this process and say, let's give her a year or ten months before sending her back, one could have imagined Eliezer would hear those words and say, okay, I'll go back. I'll tell Avram it's a deal. They're ready to marry, and we'll have a wedding in a year. But he doesn't settle for that. And he is pushing for this to come to fruition. And it's rather stunning. Eliezer is unaffected by what could have been a natural subconscious bias against the success of this program. And it appears that Avraham knew Eliezer so well that he wasn't concerned that Eliezer would be hindered by such a bias. Because, again, he heard Eliezer's request that, please consider my daughter. He had to respond and reject that request. And we could have imagined him being concerned. Hey, maybe Eliezer is not the right man for this job, but he knew otherwise. Eliezer is able to overcome any lingering effect of that original thought he had. And whereas... Standard people would have some vestige of that thought process and it would somehow be a hurdle towards their shifting tracks so radically and be so focused on the success of a different direction than they had planned. Eliezer rises above that. To 
further grasp how heroic this is, I think we need to better appreciate what Eliezer was forfeiting. When he wanted his daughter to marry Yitzchak, he is recognizing the one chance for my family to link forever to this rising star called the Jewish people. He knows that Avram is destined for greatness, and it's going to be through Yitzchak. There are no other children who are going to carry this on. There's no other Avrams out there who have similar children. The one shot I have at having my family linked forever to the destiny of Israel is through this potential match. If my daughter does not marry Yitzchak, who else? Now, Avram had other disciples. There probably were other people who were monotheistic, whose children Eliezer could attach to and raise people who would not be idolaters and, and following the base practices of the society surrounding them. But there is no other Yitzchak. And the divide between marrying into the family of Avram and Yitzchak and every other option out there is quite radical. And we can imagine this is a major setback for Eliezer, really deflating to know that this is being tabled, this possibility is no longer relevant. And yet, after suffering that blow, we can imagine the hopes, how he was trying to find opportunity to bring up this idea to Avram, and now the plug has been pulled on that option. And he pushes eagerly, with fervor, toward finding a different spouse for Yitzchak and leaving himself detached from the destiny of Israel. That capacity to overcome the natural bias, to what the Vilnagon calls breaking the Nagia. Nagia is that sense of the personal touch, the degree to which this touches me. This could be a, a factor in my thought process. I'm breaking that factor. So it doesn't influence that thought process. That is a real sign of greatness. And that is an element of heroism in Eliezer. In our own lives, we often can understand that we have interests, aspirations that are heading in one direction. And for whatever reason, something comes up that has us have to redirect our attention in another direction. Career-wise, social, financial, spiritual development, and would have wanted to do a series of steps of A, B, C, D, E. But right now, if I'm fully in tune, I recognize that the right next steps that God wants for me are something other than A, B, C, D, E. It's switched to Alphabet's Gimel Dalet Hey. And those are the right steps. It's very big when we have the capacity to switch from doing that planned A, B, C, D, E series of steps to the Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. But what's far more grand is that when we can do those without constantly feeling the tug of, but I really wanted to be doing A, B, C, D, E. And again, to fill in the blanks of how this fits into our own lives, we all know that there's situations where I kind of would have wanted to be doing, and yet I'm stuck doing. And when we're doing that second track, we're looking back over our shoulders, or we're like, what if that other opportunity had still been here? If only, and that 
bogs us down and anchors us and prevents us from really accomplishing the appropriate tasks in hand fully and fully successfully. So if we can take the Eliezer message and recognize that there are times that our plans don't go the way we would have wanted, but to try to learn to put such focus, if in fact, right now, what's in front of me seems to be the appropriate thing to be doing and my original intended plans for how I was going to spend the evening or my week or my life are not playing out the way I had anticipated, but yet I'm faced with another set of circumstances, trying to put full focus on those circumstances, full appreciation of what can be accomplished by maximizing whatever are the task at hand in those circumstances, and in so doing, not be pulled back from something that thwarts our success, and instead be far more likely to achieve our